feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Lovely Rita, meet a maid, nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. Standing by a parking meter. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, things were getting downright ugly. During the third GOP presidential debate, it has wrapped up. There were five candidates this go-round. And the big question is, was there any outright winner? Uh, I have some different thoughts uh, that may differ from you guys because I thought in some ways Vivek Ramaswamy came out swinging. He certainly was on the offense Nikki Haley was taking a lot of incoming. It looked like they all know that she clearly uh, is the person with the momentum going into these debates. She seems to be the person who has gained the most from these different debates. And she has been the one with the momentum going up. So you could tell she was taking a lot of incoming. And I think the highlight from the debate, and again, this is of the five rivals to President Donald Trump, was a line that we just heard a little bit ago from Nikki Haley to Vivek Ramaswamy. After he kept hammering her over and over again, she turned to him and said, you're just scum. (laughs) You are just, did you ever think you'd hear that in a debate with the GOP? It just shows how contentious, how heated, and how high the stakes are. What did you make of that moment? And is that sort of the big takeaway from tonight's debate? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. There were also, I actually thought Ron DeSantis had some good answers when he was talking about going after drug dealers that are bringing fentanyl into this country. I'll say it was refreshing hearing issues that I truly care about. I am very concerned about our wide open border. I am very concerned about what's happening in our country. I'm very concerned about Israel. I'm very concerned about a lot of the anti-Semitic comments that we've seen from colleges. They took it head on. And it was nice to see people who I think care about this country, care about protecting our borders, care about defending other allies. I mean, it was refreshing. And I realized, boy, I haven't heard that very long time from the White House. What a contrast. I felt like anybody up on that stage has at least a better grasp of protecting America and America's role in the world as a leader of the free world and sounding like a commander in chief. At least all five of them there had a pulse. And it's a far cry from what I'm seeing now at the White House because we have a president who seems mamsy-pamsy over Israel, seems mamsy-pamsy over everything with Rashida Tlaib. He doesn't seem to want to go after her or take criticism, you know, from people who are saying, well, wait a minute, they're calling him Genocide Joe. They're painting red paint on the White House. He doesn't even criticize them. He just kind of ducks and covers And then you also see a president who's afraid that he's going to lose the Arab vote. He's going to lose. Clearly, it's about politics. 
Because he is so docile when it comes to all of these protests that have gotten so out of hand across this country, including some tonight in New York. He clearly is afraid and he's walking on eggshells. And the world sees this and the world is taking advantage of it every which way but loose. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. So who is the winner tonight? Maybe somebody who wasn't there was maybe about 20 minutes away, President Trump, who did his own sort of competing rally, which he seems to have done. Remember, he did the Tucker conversation the first time, then he did a rally the second time, and here it is a rally the third time. So, yeah, maybe he was the big winner, but I did think some of them did decently well. I thought DeSantis had some good moments. I also thought Vivek, even though some of the things he said just seemed completely unrealistic, at least he took the fight at least a couple times. And also Nikki Haley, I thought, sounded very measured. Chris Christie, even though obviously all he talks about is how much he doesn't like Trump. Other than that, when we heard him talk about policy, he sounded like at least a commander in chief. Again, I think any of them sounded a lot more like a commander-in-chief than the one we have in the Oval Office right now. And the one thing you can certainly feel after listening to a GOP debate, I think one of the best comments came from Nikki Haley, where she said, the world is on fire, and this president has caused much of this moment. And boy, Is she right on that? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert. Line two. Robert, your thoughts about tonight? Yeah, well, I listened to Donald Trump, the whole rally with Donald Trump, and he got endorsed in the beginning by Sarah Huckabee Sanders and endorsed him. So um, that took a little bit of the momentum away from the competing debate, just the endorsement. And uh, Trump is very, very good. He spoke about his bread and butter issues, about, you know, the border has to be uh, number one, you know, showing up the border, dealing with illegal immigration, not having people in here who want to destroy this country or Israel. He mentioned Israel. He mentioned about anti-Semitism in the colleges. You know, it's very important, he didn't mention it, but Caroline Glick mentioned it, that because of what Donald Trump did when he was in office, it's making it easier now for the Jewish students who are in school to take legal action because he, whatever he did in the, um, I think he defined in addition to uh, making anti-Semitism, you know, religious uh, crime, he made it also a racist crime. So, um, yep. And he also you know, made it, he made it a hate crime too. He, what, what it actually does is also elevates it to uh, the federal level. And he also said that there's certain, you know, people have a right to go to school and be in peace. Yeah, and, and, you know, by the way, it would have been nice to have heard from some of the people there today. Um, and I realize they're competing against President Trump, but I'm glad you brought up Trump because all I could think about today, what a contrast, Robert, as I was watching these moments uh, on the stage just now from where we are. Uh, with Israel, and I use the phrase mamsy pamsy. It's like this lackluster president who doesn't know which way but loose. Um, we're hearing that privately he's pushing for this three day pause with Israel, and he's just kind of, you see it in the polls. I mean, he is tanking in the polls, even against President Trump before they were neck and neck. But this president just seems like he's spineless. And this is a time where the world needs leadership. I mean, we really have such a mess on our hands. We are dealing with some of the most 
ruthless monsters in the world with Hamas, Robert. I'll tell you, you know, last night one thing I did, and it was upsetting, but I thought I needed to do it. Um, I saw a video online, and I thought, you know what, should I look at this? And I thought, no, you know what, I, I do need to look at this. It was a video of Hamas executing some of the people that they did on October 7th. I've been kind of waiting a little bit to watch some of the videotapes because I knew that they'd be graphic and painful. But I thought, you know what, how sad that Israel had to put it out because it's come under such attack. And they said, no, here is the proof. And if you see, you see like three seconds of it. These people are savages. They are like, they're like the Nazis. It felt like the Nazis lining up the the Jews and then throwing their bodies in the ditches and then shooting them in the head again, just to be sure. That's what these people are doing. These are barbarians. And we have a president who can't even like get out a sentence. The world is laughing at us. And, and Hamas is growing. Hezbollah is growing. Iran's growing. I mean, this is a mess. And some of the people on the stage tonight should have used this opportunity. I understand they're competing against Trump, but they should have said, think about how different it was under President Trump with the Abraham Accords. The world was so much more peaceful. There were things that were under control. They were afraid of him. And now we have some of the most ruthless thugs in the world and they are just walking all over our president. And that saddens me, Robert. What a contrast, right? Well, yeah, I mean, Trump just, you know, never mind his performance is so exceptional as a president. The economy did so well. Sharp and as he, attack and, and, no and mentally sharp as attack. Peaceful, right? Peaceful environment you had. And everyone was thriving for the most part. And, you know, he was he, he's such a performer that someone could go up there for so long and just basically carry the crowd. He's like so charismatic. He's, he's very genuine. He speaks from the heart. And he's being persecuted. And everyone could see that he is the one person, him and Rudy Giuliani, but especially him, who is being persecuted the most. That's why I support Donald Trump the most, because he's the most genuine person. And I hope he would take Rudy Giuliani as his vice president, because there's no guarantee he could appoint Giuliani as as attorney general, because he needs to get it approved by the Senate. And if they don't get a MAGA-friendly Senate... He's going to have a big problem appointing good people, but that's another story. So. Yeah, or maybe uh, Rudy, I'm sure, would probably at least be uh, some sort of advisory role, whatever it is. Uh, but you're right. Uh, the Senate. Like the vice president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? By the way, there's a rumor tonight. Um, I think Trump was asked in some interview, would you pick Tucker Carlson? And he said, well, maybe I might. He actually might be. He didn't rule that out. So who knows? It may be a very unorthodox choice. For his running mate. Uh, Robert, real quick, did you see anybody up there that you thought could hold a candle to Trump um, in terms of the five? I did think they they all did better than they've done in the past. I think uh, you know, some of them rose. But did you see somebody who really gives him a run for his money or not? Well, well let me put it this way. I, I would totally watch Trump. But Trump did call out Rebecca. He mentioned, like, you know, something to the effect like it's hard to be, I don't know how he put it, so... You know, because Vivek is very praised Trump. So Trump sort of liked it. You know, you could see there's a certain, you know, like he has for Vivek because Vivek, you know, praised him. So there's a certain chemistry. I mean, so um, I could see Trump has a little bit of a like for Vivek. So. But he mentioned that he's the, you know, he said Vivek is like he claims to be the younger version of me, but I took the old version. And I also want the old version because I don't know what Vivek 
how compromised he is by special interests and stuff like that. But Trump, I know. Yeah. And you know what also, um, and Robert, thank you for your great perspective. The the question I have with Vivek is there were a couple places where, well, first of all, he's talked about like killing the Department of Education. It'd be nice to definitely trim a lot of these bureaucracies and the red tape, but that's unrealistic to say, okay, I'm just going to get rid of this department and this department, and this department. The other thing also, um, even on like Israel, he gave an answer. He said, I would make sure that we support Israel so Israel can protect its southern border, meaning, you know, Gaza, of course. And that obviously they got to protect their northern border too with Hezbollah, but that's an issue. Um, and then he said, and we will focus on ours. He very much made it sound like we'll supply Israel, but Israel's going to do it. They're going to have to kind of go it alone a little bit. Um, even though they will have our support, we'll focus on us. I, I thought it was, it, it seems a little naive and a little bit of a concern like, hey, see ya. That sort of seemed to be, uh, the approach. And I think that that there's a little bit of holes there in his foreign policy, but that, that's my opinion. By the way, here is Vivek. Uh, and I will give Vivek, he certainly had some fire in the belly and he did have some good points, uh, to your point, Robert. Here he is, though, at the very beginning. This was a stunning moment. And he called out the moderators. He called out Kristen Welker, who was one of the moderators from NBC, saying she's compromised. She made mistakes when she covered the Russian collusion. He, I've never seen this moment, I don't think, ever in a debate where it was like, forget about me. Let's talk about you, moderators. What the heck are you doing here? Listen to this moment. I, I it Definitely, he has a set of cojones, that's for sure. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. This is how we get our country back. We need accountability because this media rigged the 2016 election. They rigged the 2020 election with a Hunter Biden laptop story. Mr. Ramaswamy, and they're going to rig this election. Your time is up. Accountability. Let me turn to That's Governor, Governor Christie. Wow, that was one of the wildest moments I've ever seen. We're going to take your calls about that moment and a lot more. And is there anybody there who you think really could give Trump a run for his money, change the dynamics? Remember, this is the third GOP debate. Uh, it was really make or break. And did anybody make? Did anybody break? <laughs> 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. just talking about what's being deemed the moment of the night and this is after Vivek Ramaswamy and the GOP debate the third one which was make or break for the candidates going back and forth slamming Nikki Haley because she's been doing well in these debates she's been the only one really who's benefited a lot from the debates and going up 
And he finally took one more swipe at her. And boy, did she swipe back. Take a listen to this one. Mr. Ramaswamy, uh, we've talked about this. You campaign on TikTok. How do you get TikTok banned if you use it? Well, I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which is about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. Daughter. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters propping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy scum. answer is actually to say that we're just going to ban one app. Whoa, you're just scum. What did that moment say about Ramaswamy? And what did it say about Nikki Haley, guys? Uh, let's go to Sandra, line three. What did you think of that moment, Sandra? Oh, Rita, I was so entertained tonight. I just want you to know, I did take out my credit card after this debate and made my donation to Trump. But let me tell you, I enjoyed this. <laughs> did you double it or triple it? <laughs> I, gave, I gave him a nice amount tonight. But I have to say a lot of things. I think all of them did very nicely. I gave a lot of checks to Vivek tonight. I thought it was so funny how he said uh, Haley is like Dick Cheney in one inch, three inch heels. And she goes back, I wear five inch for protection. And I also noticed that DeSantis copied Trump on a lot of things like defending the soldiers. And I like that he said he saved the people at the airport. I mean, everybody's, and I even thought Christy did nicely when he talked about having submarines near Taiwan to protect them. But then I'm asking myself, <laughs> how long can people live in a submarine? Because maybe they would have to be there for a very, very long time before an attack would even happen. Yeah, but you know what's interesting? I agree with you that Chris Christie didn't spend as much time slamming Trump. He actually spoke about issues for a change. It was refreshing. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, a very powerful story coming from Rome, Georgia, where just recently Rome police officers rushed to free a driver and her scared child moments after a crash sparked a big fire in the SUV in which they were riding. It turns out that the officers were working a nearby traffic stop when they heard an unnerving sound of a crash nearby. Upon hearing the crash sound, Officer Dow Turrentine ran down the hill to see a badly damaged SUV with smoke beginning to pour out from under the hood. 
Immediately, the officer goes to the back passenger's door and began to further chip away at the already cracked window. Side airbags prevented the glass from hurting those inside. Now, cries, though, could be heard from inside the vehicle as the officer carefully but quickly worked to break open the window. A bystander soon joined in, working to cut free the side airbag to reach the driver. Suddenly, then he said, dispatch, we need help. We are working to get everybody out. He tried to use fire extinguishers on the car, but it was too engulfed. So suddenly he was able to reach the child's father also by phone. The child was panicking in the back seat and he was trying to help console the young child who was also panicking at the time. He was able to pull both of them out to safety and soon afterwards, Flames deeply engulfed the car. Uh, Officers at the scene who arrived soon afterwards said that that officer just arrived in the nick of time. Both the uh, man and his son were taken to an emergency room, but amazingly were cleared to go home, saying that it was absolutely incredible that they suffered only minor injuries thanks to the quick reaction and grateful, fast response and also quick thinking of that officer from the Rome, Georgia Police Department who arrived just in the nick of time. Wow, what a powerful story. And I always love doing this story here on the show where we get to honor our great men and women in blue. Well, Sandra was just talking about Vivek Ramaswamy, and boy, uh, he really did come out swinging. I really thought it was more like a WWE fight. Uh, I went over to Afghanistan with Vince McMahon and I felt like it was like round two when I was watching Vivek Ramaswamy tonight because he really was coming out swinging and nobody was unscathed. We played the comment that he said to uh, Nikki Haley where she responded and said, uh, you're scum. Because he said, listen, your daughter shouldn't be on Tic Tac, all this stuff. She didn't like the fact that he brought in her daughter. She thought it was completely unseemly. Obviously, he's been throwing attacks all this time against her because his poll numbers have been kind of going down or it's stagnant. Hers have been going up. Now, also, Vivek Ramaswamy in the debate, and this was another wild moment. First, he took it, of course, to the moderators and said, you went for the Russia collusion hoax. Uh, you owe the American public an apology. Why are you guys the moderators? Uh, that's like saying, I think he said, it's like having Greg Gutfeld uh, be the moderator of a Democratic debate, of course, the Fox News host. And he said, you guys are not the ones who should be moderating this debate. And you, of all people, should not be one of them. And he called out Kristen Welker there. But he also brought up and talked about the elections last night. Now, obviously, great red wave took place in Long Island and Nassau and Suffolk counties. We talked about it earlier today on Cats and Cosby with me and the great John Katsimatidis. We were talking all about what they did right in Long Island. But there were definitely some lowlights for the GOP. Uh, New Jersey. Look at what happened in Virginia. There's a lot of places where the GOP was lackluster. And so Vivek Ramaswamy took the moment in the debate when Ronna McDaniel, who is the head of the Republican National Committee, who was in the audience, she was obviously probably front row, and he called for her resignation. (laughs) This was unbelievable. Listen to this moment. I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here. And I am upset about what happened last night. 
We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there cheering for losing in the Republican Party. The GOP, he says, has become a party of losers, and he calls for the chairwoman of the RNC to resign as she's sitting in the audience. Well, after the debate was over, uh, he came over and the two of them looked like they were definitely going at it and having a lot of words because she probably, I'm sure, took him to task, uh, not liking that he was slamming her. There's a lot of reasons why I think the GOP in a number of places did not do well last night. Uh, not necessarily Arana McDaniel. There's a lot of different reasons. But I do think some introspection needs to be done. But boy, did he come out swinging. And then he goes after the moderator, and then he went after every single person on the stage. Even at one point, he's like, you know, okay, DeSantis, you have to agree. One of your big donors did this, has helped China. Nikki Haley, you have coddled China. You sent a loving letter, a love letter, basically, to President Xi. Uh, so it was, wow, he definitely had some ammunition there. one 800 Let's go to Dom in Minnesota on line three. Dom, your thoughts? You know, Rita, I wasn't going to call tonight, but when you played that clip of a wave pouncing on the moderators, I had to. I just could not resist. <laughs> but yeah, I what did you what did you think of the moment? Did you see it? I saw it when it happened. No, I was I like, didn't, I didn't. I saw parts of the debate. I didn't see that moment, and I was like, "Holy crap, we got something here!" Yeah, boy, but, I thought I was like, "Wait, did he?" And it was. I think it was the first you know lines out of his mouth. He didn't waste any time, Dom. Yeah. You know, I think Vivek might have consumed some Trump tequila before to pump him up before the debate. But, you know, in all honesty, I loved the movie Home Alone. Not so much Home Alone 2. The sequel is usually not exciting as the original. So I am still Trump. Even if he lands up in ankle bracelets, once he wins, I will bid for those ankle bracelets if he puts them on sale. That's where I am. <laughs> By the way, you know, I, uh, with Trump, he'll make ankle bracelets, uh, bracelets. He'll make ankle bracelets, necklaces. He'll make ankle bracelet Absolutely. T-shirts. And, yep. and, and it is like, if you look at everything that's going on, everything that he has taken, all the incoming he has taken, and he keeps going up and up and up in the polls. And I, I was watching tonight and, you know, I did think that a few of them in particular had better performances than I, I have seen in the past. I think they were rising to the moment. It's a very serious moment in the world right now. And I do think that any of them would have a much clearer grasp as a commander in chief than our current president, um, especially, with the, you know, I heard some strong stuff from Nikki Haley, even Chris Christie, when he wasn't bashing Trump, had some good lines about American exceptionalism and American strength. Um, DeSantis, I thought, was really strong in that, going after the drug dealers, those selling fentanyl. He had a line saying, I would shoot them dead. Uh, I mean, I, I liked hearing at least a little bit of clarity and strength compared to what we have in the White House now. I, I thought, boy, 
God, we we really need a president. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, we do have a president, sort of. I, I mean, it, it just was refreshing, Dom, to see some leadership in the world is yearning for American leadership. Don't you think, Dom? I mean, the world's on fire, as Nikki Haley described. And we, you know, we don't even have a, uh, you know, we don't even, we don't have a, let alone a fire captain. We don't even have a firefighter. Well, I agree with you completely. All of these people would make fantastic vice presidents or secretaries of state. Having said that, did you see that? I don't know if you saw that or not. Uh, you know, when Eric Holder came in and said, this is not good for us for taking down a presidential candidate who's leading by so much. I don't know if you know that or not. Eric Holder said that. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> I did. I know, which is, by the way, uh, Fast and Furious, Eric Holder. <laughs> yeah. yes. So I, I think I think, Rita, I mean, I, I, at this point, these are all I, I, like you said, every single one of them on the stage is probably leaps and bounds better than what we have right now in the White House. But unfortunately, only Mr. Trump can deliver on a lot of these promises. And that's where I am right now. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I saw. Yeah, I agree. I saw voids. And I think every single one of them in terms of really dealing with how catastrophic the world is right now. Um, And uh, Dom, thank you very much. And to the point of what we're talking about, I think... Nobody said it better about how serious things are right now in the world than one of the hostages' brothers. I'm talking about this is the brother of one of the Israeli hostages. He was on Capitol Hill this week. And you have to hear what he said because he said, listen, you better squash Hamas. You better help Israel defeat Hamas. You have to help them. You have to help them defeat Hezbollah. You have to help them defeat Iran, because guess what? You're next on deck. Uh, Listen to this one, because this really was a searing comment. And this is cut 22. Take a listen to what he had to say. And this is a wake-up call, not only for Israel, not only for the Jewish community. This is a wake-up call for all of you here, all of America, all of Europe. You are next. You are next. And we should do everything that we can to stop these atrocities. You are next. If that isn't a searing comment, your thoughts, Dom, is there anybody who can handle what is a hard fight? Last point, Rita. I mean, I'm glad you played that thing because, you know, that is played in a lot of, uh, you know, places. But the last point I want to make is as soon as Trump gets elected, it'll stop on day one. He doesn't have to even take any action. And the word, word will go, down, go out that Trump has been elected president and everything will stop. I'll tell you that. I'll bet my money on that. He doesn't have to do anything. Just ah, so you think him stop. just being there will be enough of a threat? Exactly, exactly. I'll, I'll promise you that. <laughs> How much are you promising me? Are we doing a five cent bet? <laughs> yeah, well, how about twenty dollars? <laughs> All right, that's a deal. But you know what? I actually I agree with you in many ways. So I don't know if I want to take that bet because I may lose. <laughs> I know that you lose, <laughs> Tom. I'll buy you a drink instead. Thank you very much, Tom. Always great to hear from you. Let's go to Phil. Line two, Phil. Your thoughts about the debate and how serious this moment is? I know you're a military guy. This 
this is more of a this is more of a clown show than anything else. They're all parroting the same basic statements, a little twist here, different, a little twist there, different. I think in all honesty, and my wife and I agree that Tim Scott was I think one of the most sincere people at that debate. He didn't he didn't jump in the air and talk about shooting people dead. He didn't he didn't come up with these wild excuses that some of the other candidates did. And attacking the, the people who are, who are the, uh, the organizers of this isn't good either. Uh, I think Tim Scott, I've got a very strong suspicion that, that once this is all over, Tim Scott is going to be chosen by Trump for the VP role. I really believe that. And by, by the way, just one final thing. Um, I have it on some good advice that over the next 10 days to two weeks, Israel is going to undertake a maneuver which will put a serious, serious dent in Hamas and, and all their people behind them. This is this is what I've, I've been hearing from a few people who are heavily into military, one or two who are actual mercenaries who are out there. And they're talking about some big blow that's going to come crashing down, uh, dealt out by Israel. Yeah, and look, uh, they are already there in the tunnels. We saw some footage uh, today, Phil, for the very first time of them physically in the tunnels. Uh, so they're getting to the Hamas infrastructure, which is why. Uh, and, and Phil, let me ask you this question, too, from your military perspective, because you always give us some great background there. You know, we're hearing this back and forth that the White House, President Biden, has been pushing for a three-day pause and that he had a conversation with Netanyahu earlier this week. And in it, he was pushing again for this three-day pause of military operations in Gaza. Israel saying, no way, free the hostages first, then we can even talk about a pause or a ceasefire, but free every single one of them first, then there's something to discuss. Um, Your thoughts about how bad of a message that sends that it's coming out publicly that this president has been consistently pushing for these pauses and humanitarian breaks. Well, Rita, basically as a military point of view, he's, he's trying to buy time to allow these people, these terrorists to reorganize and build up their fervor uh, to get them to extricate themselves out of certain ways of doing things and so on and so forth. He's buying time for the enemy of Israel. And Israel is not that dumb. Israel is a very sharp country. It's run by some very, very highly intelligent people who know the law, know military stuff. And I, I think he's, Biden is actually betraying the trust of Israel by even asking for, for a ceasefire because that will allow Hamas and, and their goonies to basically reorganize and pull some other stunts, which is very, very likely. Just mark my words, Rita. Israel's got something planned in the next probably two or three weeks at most. Something really good that's going to be devastating beyond words. Yeah, and by the way, I'm all for it, Phil, because Hamas needs to be leveled. And not just for Israel, but for the world. I agree with that Israeli hostage's brother, who's saying, guess what, they're coming for you. Because every time they chant death to Israel, the next sentence is death to America. So they're doing, I think, the world a great favor if they can get rid of all these maggots. Uh, But let's see where it goes. Uh, And and it, it certainly sends a message of weakness that you have a president who's waffling all over the place. Uh, it just it looks so bad, and it sends such mixed messages also 
to, you know, to Hamas and to Hezbollah and all these guys at a time you want them to fear you. You don't want to hear that, okay, the greatest ally of America is saying, please pause, please pause Israel, please pause Israel. We look weak, we look soft, um, and and I only think it undercuts Israel, and that's a really bad thing. But it's par for the course with this president. We're going to continue your calls, everybody. one 800 848 when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And coming up in the next hour here on the Rita Cosby Show, we will talk about what the GOP challengers to President Trump say they will do to stop these anti-Semitic protests that are taking place all across America. They had some very interesting strategies, and I give them a lot of credit because they all were very forceful about it. The only one that was interesting Vivek Ramaswamy said, you know what? These kids are just kind of kids. Uh, we obviously, it goes to the greater issue of what's going on with like a broken family in America. It's part of a bigger issue. And I don't think we should really hold them accountable. We should be looking at the schools. I think Vivek is giving it way too easy to those people that are out there. Most of the people, uh, even if they are in college age, they have a brain. They could see the video. They could see what happened to Israel and the fact that they're going out there. It's not like they're like, you know, kindergarten kids where you say, I'll give them a pass. They're kids. They don't know better. Uh, the other ones were much more forceful. And we're going to talk about what they had to say. By the way, also some other big news tonight. Uh, SAG-AFTRA Actors Union has reached a tentative agreement with Hollywood Studios uh, to resolve the second, remember, there were two strikes that rocked the entertainment industry. This is the actors part. Um, and it looks like the actors have reached a tentative agreement with Hollywood Studios to end the strike. So hopefully it means that they will be getting back to work soon, can work on more movies, can promote more movies. We need some more coming out, especially with the holiday season and also next year. Uh, but uh, hopefully that is a good sign that things We'll start to begin anew because, boy, life has been pretty crazy out there with all these wars and everything else. We need a little bit of uh, a decompression time like a good, good movie. So hopefully everything is solved there with the actor strike. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Who won tonight and why? Uh, Donald, uh, what did you think of the debate on line one? Uh, hi, Rita. So, yeah, you know, Vic's comment uh, about uh, Haley's daughter and TikTok. Look, this wasn't so much about the uh, the daughter as it was about her and and the re- and her responsibility as a parent. And as we all know, 
you know, growing up hearing this a hundred times, it, it all starts at home. Yeah, and that was the point he was making. You are correct. Uh, and then, boy, she took it very personal because it wasn't like you're right. He wasn't really criticizing the daughter. And then she said, you're scum. That's a new one for a GOP debate. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita. Because your perfume is smelling sweet. Well, things are a mess in Israel. They are trying to take the fight to Hamas. And I give the Israelis a lot of credit because they have made a lot of headway in just the last 24 hours or so. There are reports that they have eliminated, get this, 130 Hamas tunnels in Gaza. That's where the headquarters are of the terrorist group Hamas, and that they did a strike that killed the weapons maker of Hamas. By the way, there's also reports that some of these Hamas leaders, many of which live outside of Gaza, so that makes it even much more complicated, because how are you going to get to them if they're not even in Gaza? Some of them are in Turkey. There's reports some are in Qatar and elsewhere. Let me just read you the wealth of some of these guys. One of them, who's like their political leader of Hamas, who's been spewing a lot of hate still almost every single day. Four billion dollars is his net worth. There's another one, four billion dollars and another one, three billion dollars. So every time you hear the Biden administration talk about, oh, gosh, we've got to help the people, everybody in Gaza is starving and not doing well. There are people, obviously, that are caught in the crossfire of this war. But they also need to start pointing the finger at Hamas. Where are the Palestinians that are not pointing the finger at Hamas and saying, wait a minute, you have $4 billion and we don't even have water in our village? You have fuel for months and food for months and everything else, even the ones that are there in Gaza, according to Israeli intelligence. They say they have information that the Hamas leaders are fine. They have a lot of fuel. They have a lot of other stuff. And they seem to be doing well and living high on the hog as the other Palestinian citizens are being used as human shields and also not getting water, food, and a whole bunch of other resources. Yes, Israel is sending in trucks and all that, but where are the other folks, the Palestinian citizens, starting to point fingers at Hamas? When are we going to finally see them say, wait a minute, maybe Israel isn't the problem. Maybe it's the leadership that many of them voted in in 2006. And obviously, you don't want innocent civilians hurt or killed. Israel is trying to get some more precision-guided weaponry that they're getting from the United States that's going to give them some more GPS so they can strategically target with missiles and do a much more defined strike and hit the targets without any sort of collateral damage or at least less collateral damage 
possibly. So they're trying to make every effort to not go after civilian targets. But guess what Hamas is doing on top of these tunnels? There are a number of daycare centers. There are a number of hospitals. So this is Hamas. This is the leadership that many in the Palestinian territory voted for in 2006. And they're living high on the hog. And it reminds me a bit. I remember I covered a lot of stuff back then, as you guys probably know, with Yasser Arafat. There were so many reports, and we heard a lot about it after he passed away, how his wife was living high on the hog and all the money that the leadership had, and yet the Palestinian people themselves, somehow it didn't trickle down to them. And obviously, that's atrocious. But you also should be pointing fingers at the leadership, too, that is controlling the money and not giving it to good people. There are so many problems here. And then we have the president of the United States. And this, to me, is disgraceful. We have the president of the United States, who, according to multiple reports, said to Benjamin Netanyahu this week, we want to see a three-day pause of military activities by Israel and Gaza. I just told you, they have now gotten in to the Hamas tunnels. We saw images of them today. They put them out, some of the video. They're making tremendous headway, taking out the key weapon maker for Hamas. That's a biggie. They say that they are definitely starting to choke the terrorist regime. They also did airstrikes in the tunnel and a whole bunch more. So they're now right there at Hell's Gate, if you will. And our president is folding like a cheap suit. And our president is asking for a three-day pause. Can you imagine if right after 9-11 we had Osama bin Laden surrounded and we were, you know, we saw him in our sights almost, basically. You know, we saw all his henchmen and we know like we're right at the door there to go get him. And then some country came in and said, you know what, we'd really like you to do a three-day pause. That only helps Hamas. It also really discredits our relationship. I think it, it hurts our relationship with one of our greatest allies, Israel. And it sends a message to China and Russia and North Korea and others who wish to do America harm and have set up this new sort of access of evil. Of course, Iran there at the sphere of it. It sends a message of weakness and it looks pathetic. And what a jello ball our president is. This is the time you need to buck up and be commander in chief. So here is the conversation. Listen to this exchange because there's a lot of reports that that's what happened with our president. And so here is John Kirby, the spokesperson with the National Security Council, talking to Martha McCallum on Fox News today. She asked him about this three-day pause And he gave back answers that, boy, did they sound like word salad. Listen to this exchange. This is cut 14. Take a listen to what he had to say. Is there something in the works right now to get the hostages out? And is that why the president wants a three-day pause? And has he heard back from Benjamin Netanyahu? He said he was waiting to hear. So I I, I don't want to be able, I'm not going to confirm sort of this this reporting about a three-day pause. What I can confirm, Martha, is that 
We continue to talk to the Israelis about the, the benefit and the idea of humanitarian pauses, plural, because we think that there's multiple reasons and multiple locations where pauses could be useful, certainly in getting the hostages out, also getting humanitarian assistance in. We have had uh, routine and frank discussions with our Israeli counterparts about the benefit of pauses. The Prime Minister has said, uh, even as le recently as just the last day or so, that he's open to considering uh, pauses. Uh, that's a good thing, and we're going to continue to do that. I think it's also important to remember for your viewers that, that pauses have already occurred. This is not like a new idea that hasn't been tried. It helped us get those two Americans out, and it helped us get those but two John, Israelis he, he, out. Here's what I, uh, you know, two things. Um, we just talked to Major Spielman, and, and we've been showing video of this intense battle that is underway inside Gaza City. There wouldn't be a pause in that, correct? So it's important to remember on pauses, Martha, they're going to be temporary, short in duration, localized so on the map. So is there a three-day request not or not? It, was there a three-day request? Because that, that's a long pause that would give, the, that would yeah. give Hamas a lot of time. I'm not going to confirm those reports about a three-day request, but I think it's important to remember that a pause doesn't mean you have to pause all across the battlefront. A pause is localized for a certain piece of geography over a certain period of time. Okay. And, I, I mean, and obviously, everyone, we, yeah, we can we can all understand that if it's you know okay, they're going to be walking through this area, so we need to allow these hostages to course. leave and get through this area. We can understand that. But what I'm trying to figure out is: is it a promise to Hamas we will stop? We'll stop, IDF saying, we will stop, we'll pause. And if we do, you'll let them go. Or is it as Netanyahu wants? He says, there is no ceasefire, nothing. Yeah. We will keep going and going and going until you tell us that you are going to release them all. Yeah. I, I'm not going to negotiate here in public on, on how we're trying to get these hostages released. The idea of a pause is, again, temporary in time, localized in scope uh, to allow for hostages safe passage to get from where they are being kept to where they can okay. secure freedom. That's right. what we're talking about yeah. here. And the idea of a pause is to publicly undercut one of our greatest allies in the world, Israel. That is shameful. Israel is fighting with all their might. And we have a president who publicly keeps begging for pauses and talks about Islamophobia and won't even condemn the anti-Semites that are in the Democratic Party that have come out and said some of the most vile, disgusting things about Israel in this process. This, this to me is this, we have a wimp. And so here is another exchange. Listen to this one. This is John Kirby again, also with Martha on Fox. And she said, are you going to finally do something to Iran? Now, we just heard in the last few hours that there was a U.S. strike again on some locations in eastern Syria. I wonder if it's empty warehouses like the last one was. And it probably comes because the president's been so embarrassed that he hasn't done anything after all these multiple strikes on U.S. bases in the Mideast. Clearly, Iran doesn't seem to care what this president thinks and doesn't seem to fear this president. Listen to this exchange where Martha says, uh, is the president ever going to respond to now it's been, I think it's like 40 attacks on U.S. bases? Listen to uh, poor uh, John Kirby trying to thread the needle on this one. This is cut 15. Take a listen to what he had to say. A lot of people, John, do not think we have done everything that we can to dissuade Iran from hitting and attacking our bases. You're a military man. What do you say to our, the members of our 
U.S. services. They are watching this incoming. You've got a couple of people who've suffered traumatic brain injuries and others who have been injured. When you're telling them, we're not going to, don't fight back. Just just sit there. You're telling them, you know, just sit tight at this moment and take it? No, Martha, we're not telling them to just sit tight and take it. We've had, we have retaliated and we retain the options of retaliating With again. With all due respect, John, needed. I've talked to military experts who say that retaliation is completely inconsequential, that, that Iran needs to be hit in a way that means something to them, that, it, you know, their command and control centers, which we know where they are. Is that something that this White House is willing to do? We're not going to telegraph our punches on national TV, Martha. We're going to do what we have to do to protect our troops and our facilities. Our guys are there in Iraq and Syria for a legitimate purpose, still on a counter-ISIS mission. Uh, They're going to stay at that mission. We're going to make sure that they can do so as safely and effectively as possible. So are you saying that they're not under an increased threat? Because we've seen these attacks accelerate since October the 7th. And the president said they were unrelated to what happened on October 7th. Do you really believe that? I'm not saying that they're not under threat. I mean, my goodness, they have continued to come under rocket and drone attacks. Of That's course, right. they're under threat. And we're going to do what we have to do to protect and defend our interest and protect and defend them. And we'll do that. We'll do that in a, 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 on a time and in a manner of our choosing. But do you believe that Iran has ramped up since October the 7th on our these attacks on our bases? Do you believe that there, it's related to what happened on October 7th in Israel? There, there, there have been a series of additional attacks. It's difficult to know exactly what the purpose is. We can't, uh, we can't dismiss the possibility that some of these stepped-up militia attacks are in response to our support for Israel. But as I said in the very first question that you asked me, we're going to continue to support our ally Israel in this fight against Hamas. So how did you interpret that? That sounds like administration that's afraid of its own shadow. And that's why getting back to the debate tonight... It was refreshing to hear at least some sounds of leadership coming out of potential commanders and chief. Let's go to Solomon, line five. Uh, Solomon, your thoughts about Biden, Israel, and so much more. Hey, good evening. Great show. So I wanted to just make this uh, one or two comments. Uh, Number one, just to, you know, backtrack many, many years. All this has really started or started way back, but a lot of this was facilitated by the civilian population allowing their children to be trained and indoctrinated to this type of lifestyle of hate, to kill, to murder, to slaughter. And when you breed such a population as a child, a child grows up and the mother and father teach him something. You're, wait, wait, you're older, talking about in the in the Palestinian territories, you're saying, right? And some of the correct, literature, that's correct. where you're going. OK, correct. Yes. When when you're raised that way. This child, as he gets older, really believes, well, my, my dad and my mom, this is what they told me. This has to be correct. They have no way to really think outside the box or to start to learn and, and open their eyes to figure out what is the reality or not. They're brought up this way. It becomes integrated in their soul, integrated in their lifestyle, and this is what they truly believe. So naturally, this is what, you know, they, they raised an entire uh, population this way and and the hatred and the the, the brutalness it, it's in there it's so hard to eradicate now when israel goes in to fight and to to clean out hamas there's millions of civilians there but when civilians are getting killed you know how the report the reports come out as it's always civilians it's never how many terrorists were killed you can't differentiate this is not an army that you just clearly can define who's who, who's not. And when they say civilians, 
many of these civilians are actually Hamas terrorists who are getting killed. So the numbers of civilians, yes, it's unfortunate that many children and many civilians are getting hurt, but they're embedded completely in civilian territory. And there is nobody, nobody out there that would come out with a plan to show Israel exactly how to do this. America will be in the same boat. Any country will be in the same boat, getting the same type of results. And and it's devastating. This is a terrible, terrible situation, but there's no other way around it. Yeah, but but you know what, Solomon? You just articulated moral clarity and just like you said, uh, culpability on certain things. You know what you reminded me of, Solomon? That Hamas uh, terrorist who they have on audio tape calling his parents and saying to the parents, uh, guess what, Mom and Dad? I just killed 10 Jews today with my own hands. Isn't that great, Mom and Dad? Allah will be proud. I mean, he was bragging to his parents, and the parents were saying, good job, son. I mean, they had the audio recording that they released. You're right. It's sort of indoctrinated. And you have to, and look, I believe that there are obviously good people that are there in the Palestinian territory that are just caught in the war. But there are a lot of people, as we have even seen some on the streets, shouting, you know, death to Israel from the river to the sea. So that ain't good. Uh, 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue your calls after the break. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. So we have a wimp in the White House, and we had some whippersnappers during the debate. That's my assessment. Let's go uh, to Joaquin in Pennsylvania. Your thoughts, Joaquin? Hey, Rita. How you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be working on a parody for Stan, uh, the um, Josh Turner, don't go riding that long black train, that, that Democrat-Communist long black train. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, act- I'm actually at, at karaoke. I have, I have fans. But anyway, uh, you know what? With the debate tonight, I got to tell you the truth. The one who really impressed me was Vivek Ramaswamy because he hit a lot of things on the head. And when you were talking about his attack against the, uh, uh, the, the people who were running it, he, he was right. The RNC always shoots himself in the foot. Will Democrats ever go, you know, and, and have, you know, like a Tucker Carlson or, or any of these other people, you know, moderate the debate? They won't do it. And they I thought, by it. the way, Joaquin, I agree with you. I think that was a fair point when he said that other people should be moderating the debate. I mean, I think I think some of the ones there, um, some of them are fair and could have done a good job. But it did show some guts on his part. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And this is the Tunnel to Towers Foundation Support Our Heroes Special Edition for Veterans Day. And a beautiful story 
coming from South Windsor, Connecticut. If you have traveled to South Windsor and also Manchester, Connecticut, you may have seen banners in where local veterans are recognized and honored for their service. It is all thanks to a South Windsor High School sophomore named Mahika Joshi, who is honoring America's veterans. I love this story. It has been, she says, a really nice journey, and I've had a lot of great people help me along the way. It's a journey that this South Windsor, Connecticut high school sophomore has been on for the past four years, leading a program to honor veterans with banners across town. Mahika credits her teachers for educating her on veterans' contributions to our country and to their communities. By the way, her program has honored 100 living veterans with banners in South Windsor and also Manchester, Connecticut. Get this all made at veteran-owned printing shops using American-made materials with the help of community sponsors. Joshi says the banners she places all around the communities have made a real impact. The youth were able to see the banners and understand the veterans from a different point of view, and I believe it brought the community so much closer, she said. And one Vietnam-era veteran said, quote, It tells me that there is hope for our younger generation because there's too few who are true patriots like Mahisha Josie. What a beautiful, beautiful story. And I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, support our heroes, honoring our great veterans and also their families. And everybody, help America to never forget. Remember to donate just $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices of America's greatest heroes. Heroes like Bristol, Connecticut Police Sergeant Dustin DeMonte. He sustained fatal gunshot wounds after responding to a domestic violence incident, leaving behind his expectant wife and two children. Tunnel to Towers paid the mortgage on the DeMonte family home, lifting a financial burden. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. And we thank the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, which does so much good. And... Speaking of things going on all over the place, because we've been talking about Joe Biden, first of all, his lack of leadership in the Mideast. Now he's going to be spending a bit of time dealing with subpoenas and the like, because many of his family members in the last few hours have been subpoenaed by the House Oversight Committee. James Comer, the head of that committee, came out and announced that the subpoenas were uh, administered that they were delivered. President Biden's son Hunter, brother James, as part of the GOP impeachment inquiry into the family's foreign business dealings and the big money that was coming to many different family members. Also, they also went after the wives and some kids because remember, when we saw some of the money transfers that came out, it showed it went to a whole bunch of different locations. I think the only person in the family that didn't get money was like the family's dog. 
So you can't really subpoena Fido, but they did go after, it looks like, the wives, uh, a sister-in-law. They also went after what I think could be uh, the big, big kahuna, Biden family associate Rob Walker, who will uh, undoubtedly be put on the hot seat for information that he may know because he was close to Devin Archer. He was also close, of course, to Hunter Biden. So there's a lot of stuff there. And now the family is finding out that they are on the hot seat. A lot of people thought, oh, maybe this is all talk. Maybe it'll never happen. Well, James Comer quickly delivered the salvo today and said more is coming. So where do you see that headed? Because the polls are clearly dropping for President Biden. And you could tell he is so worried about politics that he won't even condemn these protesters at colleges, at different campuses, all over the place, all over America. There was one tonight that took place in New York, a pro-Palestinian rally. And it also went all the way to the U.N., And same chance, you know, river to the sea, you know, uh, going after Israel, all this stuff. And there's been this rash also of tearing down the hostage posters. I think there's something so unseemly about it. There was a woman who was a New York City public defender who was caught on videotape. Can you imagine a public defender working for the city of New York tearing down a poster caught on videotape? There are a lot of college students. There's others. So Corinne Jean-Pierre, of course, the White House press secretary, was asked about it. Does she think that this is clearly an act of hate? Shouldn't we throw the book at these people? Isn't there something so disgusting that they are actually tearing down hostage posters? And she couldn't really come to terms with it. You could tell they're looking at polls, seeing that President Biden is falling out of favor with many in the Arab community who overwhelmingly voted for Joe Biden the last go-round. He's worried because Michigan has a big group. Guess what? Ilan Omar. Uh, you look at Minnesota. There's a whole bunch of these states that clearly have big Arab communities. He also had many of the young people. He's worried about you losing the young people. Uh, and what is that? hundred colleges plus have had these protests where they've spewed this anti-Semitic venom. And so Corinne Jean-Pierre is walking on eggshells. To me, if somebody said, you know what, don't you want to condemn a group that rapes and beheads women and murders children? It's yeah, I I wouldn't hesitate. Do you think there's something unseemly about tearing down posters of hostages that are sitting there fighting for their lives in the middle of dark Hamas tunnels and their families begging for their return? Uh, I would say, yeah, I think that's really unseemly to tear down a poster of those people. We should revere them and do whatever we can to help those families. But for some reason, for the Joe Biden White House, it's a trick question. Listen to this back and forth with Corinne Jean-Pierre and a reporter at the White House. A lot of videos of individuals who have been tearing down signs, many of these taking place in New York City, of Israelis presently being held hostage in Gaza. Is the White House's view that these actions should be condemned, the pulling of the pulling down of them, or that that's a form of peaceful protest? Look, I, I haven't, I've sort of kind of seen the reporting here and there. I think it was from last week, There's right? Been like thirty million videos that got around. No, I know. I hear you. Week. I hear you. I'm just not going to uh, 
I'm not going to. I'm not going. Is that peaceful protest to pull that down, or should you not be? I'm just not going to go into uh, specifics on that particular thing. Uh, What I can say, there are real violent protests and threats that are happening right now, and senior administration officials are are aware of these reports, uh, which are deeply concerning, and that is something that uh, we're focused on. She could not answer. She said, oh, deeply concerning. I haven't seen a lot of it. Just turn on the news. There, sadly, are so many of these cases, and yet for some reason they can't condemn it because they're clearly looking at polls. They're realizing that he's not doing well on polls, and they're realizing he is looking so weak, which is why he's rudderless at a time where the world is in crises. So how debilitating is this at a time where... There was a bit of a wake-up call for the GOP last night. Clearly, the GOP did not do well in a lot of areas. Long Island uh, was definitely a red wave, and that was stunning because there hadn't been in a number of those places a GOP official, whether it was town supervisor or a couple other ones, that in a long time. Despite that, in other parts, it wasn't the turnout that they wanted. So they got a year to get their act together because, boy, is this country in trouble. Did you see anybody who fits the bill at the debate that happened just a little bit ago on NBC? Uh, What did you think of Vivek swiping at Nikki Haley, swiping also at the chairman of the RNC? A lot of people thought that was over the line. Also, what about Nikki Haley firing back Chris Christie, not bashing Trump as much as he usually does. Usually it's Trump, 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 Trump. Had a little bit of policy there. And then we also heard from Tim Scott, who said that he thinks you got to take the fight to Iran. He actually had a little bit of teeth in some of his answers, too, and sounded aspirational. And DeSantis said, you know what? If these drug dealers cross the border, shoot them dead. Wow. Uh, There was some tough talk on the border crisis in this last debate. And I'll just tell you, a lot of it I found refreshing, finally, to hear somebody who at least is looking at what we all see is a disaster at our wide open southern border. Talking about sleeper cells that have probably come into this country and the disastrous effect of what's happening at our border. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm, line three. Uh, Norm, what did you think of the debate? And was there a highlight and a low light? Oh, I've got some. I, I, I'm not prepared for, for class today, Rita, because I regretfully uh, watched the Andy Griffith show and, uh, and uh, Beverly Hillbillies rather than watch the debate. Well, in some, but, by um, the way, in some case, that might have been, uh, I don't know, the debate was pretty entertaining, too, but it felt a little bit like Andy Griffith. Barney. <laughs> I felt like Barney. I saw Barney a couple times there, I think. But go ahead. But, but it's not. But it's nice. To, it sounded like they were speaking from the heart and speaking very and plainly speaking. And w- we certainly don't get that from Joe Biden. And uh, I mean, I, I it's it, just that Corinne Jean Pierre soundbite is just yeah. That's it's uh, you know. I, I think our president he wants pauses from Israel. He should ask for a domestic pause on the 400 percent rise in Jew hating incidents over the past two or three years in this country. And he should try to explain why. Why why has that gone up so drastically over the past two years? And uh, and another thing that you're talking about plain speak, if you notice, they like to use uh, they use the term anti-Semitism. And I use the term Jew hatred because 
that's uh, administration lawyer, um, um, you know, fake speak because they 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 use that to to segue to Islamophobia because they're Semites also. So I uh, uh, at least that's my thoughts anyway on that. I could be wrong. No, but 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 you, but you know what? Even the words, like you said, it was much more clear. It was more forceful and. I felt I heard much more tough talk and, you know, from these folks, granted, they're running for president. They're not in the position, but any one of them looked a lot more like a commander in chief than our current president, who now quietly is basically selling Israel under the bus because he's too scared to lose votes in the Arab community, as opposed to standing firm on moral clarity. Your thoughts about that, Norm? I, you know, I don't think he he really gives a damn about an Arab vote because I don't I don't know if that is so much of you know that he worries about all those crazy young people and that's what he's worrying about that it's the, the youth vote all these you know these these fools these kids that are out there you know uh, screaming from the river to the to the sea and they have no idea of the the geopolitics of Israel, I've never been to Israel, don't understand the size of Israel or nor the history of Israel. Which is why and, they and should it. just be quiet and sit down if you don't know what you're talking about. Um, you know, you know, but but you know, it's interesting, Norm, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you. A lot of them don't know. But then some mm-hmm. of them, when the microphone comes in front of their face and they're asked, uh, hey, what do you think about Hamas? Isn't it terrible? Won't you condemn it? They won't condemn it. I mean, again, it doesn't take a two-year-old could say it's not a good Mm -hmm. idea if somebody comes in and beheads somebody. For some reason, they think they can get away with it. And I actually do think this president's worried about I think he's worried about every vote because the poll, Mm -hmm. the numbers are slipping away from him and and his his memory's slipping away from him, too, Norm. Yeah, I uh, uh, as far as the young people go, I don't know. They're they're not they're not. People are not raised to think critically, and 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 history is so, has been so, you know, de-emphasized in our education that they don't know they don't they don't know that you know Israel got the hell out of Gaza, and you know I mean they they don't understand the uh, you know that it was it was up to it was up to the people of Gaza to make a to make a, a you know a peaceful society for themselves exactly, create- and they voted. For Hamas. That's the point, too. Absolutely. Real quick, Robert, line one. Robert, your thoughts real quick. I'm sorry. You're talking to me? I sure am, my friend. Your thoughts. Okay. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre's problem with answering the question is that the protesters don't have MAGA hats. Okay. When there's no MAGA hats, Democrats don't know what to do because it's usually one of theirs. Secondly, to my Republican Party, people who run the party, if you want to win an election, Please get serious about it. I can't speak for New York, but here in Pennsylvania, Republican leadership was non-existent, and half the Republican voters stayed home, and we lost races by like 37, 68 votes, okay? Wow. And that's not good enough, okay? That is not good enough. People, we are in a war. If you're only going to come out for Donald Trump, I'm with you. Okay, but you got to come out for all the other elections, because even if you win with Trump, there's nobody there to support him because you stayed home for the municipal and the midterms. Yeah. And and by the way, Robert, I know I knew what you meant. Yeah. Republicans won the House, so I'm cool with that. But this was non-existent and I'm very disappointed and I'm going to be out voting again. But 
Republicans put out an ad equating Biden to all the madness. Why is there no ads on TV and the radio? Well, now, it, by the way, Robert, now it begins, oh. because remember, he wasn't technically on the ballot. But if I was one of the candidates in this last go around, I would have compared him left and right. And you're right. People need to get out because it's all these other races that often decide policing, uh, decide uh, funding, uh, crime protection, uh, protecting police. There's so many issues, and all of them are also very, very important. Great point, Robert. Well, now they have a year to get their act together. 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. So what did you think of round three? Who do you think makes it to the next debate? Do you think it may only be two or three? And who do you think stood out? Did you see anyone there who is fit to be our next commander-in-chief? Again, I thought all of them at least had a lot more fire than the current occupant in the White House. Let's go to Jerry, line one. Uh, Jerry, your thoughts about where things are headed, because there was a new poll that just came out a little bit ago. It's a CNN one, and it shows Trump ahead by a few points over Biden. Uh, The Democrats are worried, but... They did do well last night in a number of locations. Well, I think that uh, you have to secure the elections. Uh, If you want to really win an election, that's going to be the key. So let's take these drop boxes. They're still around, you know, all over the place after the pandemic. And you saw what happened in Connecticut, the mayor's race. You did, right, Rita, already? I did, and you know what was interesting? Uh, The guy who ended up winning was the one who said, listen, this is improper. So so I guess uh, karma came back to the guy because the allegation was against the other guy. Uh, So uh, that was a wild one with those two women who took the fifth. I mean, we don't know, Mm -hmm. but it looked pretty bad, at least on the video. You know, you don't know. It's an allegation, but still, it was interesting. You're right. It it still kind of still kind of goes on, Jerry. You never know. Uh, let's go to Jacqueline, line four. Jacqueline, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. You know, I didn't listen to, I, I didn't listen or watch the debate, but over the past three weeks that I have been sick with COVID, I've had a lot of time to think. And as I've said before, um, this is really Barack Hussein Obama's third administration. But I came up with a new name for Joe Biden. I'm going to start referring to him as Joe Pino, president in name only. And Joe Pino is following in Barack Hussein Obama's footsteps by continuing. Obama was the first one to turn his back on Israel numerous times and support all of these radical Islamic nations. Joe Pino is doing the same thing. He's continuing with that foreign policy. And let's not forget Obama's statement about the Islamic call to prayer being the sweetest sound. Last thing I want to say is, while all of these loony leftist, socialist, communist, Marxist agendas have been unleashed on the United States and wherever possible in the rest of the world, Christians, Christians are the next religious group after the Jews 
that have been persecuted and killed throughout the world. And I don't have the figures in front of me, but if I'm not mistaken, I believe over the past three years, it's been a total in the hundreds of millions throughout the Middle East, Africa, the rest of the axis of evil, which includes North Korea, China, and Ukraine, and Christians in the United States have been under unjustified attack. Let's keep that all in mind. Well, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, Jacqueline, but I couldn't believe it. It was uh, one of the liberal correspondents recently put a headline saying, MAGA and Christian nationalists are a bigger threat to the world than Hamas. I I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, it fits with what you're saying, and it's this sort of sentiment, it's these echoes Uh, Which is why good people need to stand together, no matter what their race, religion, or creed, and condemn terrorism. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 